0: Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we are launching our Advent series. What is Advent, you ask? Advent is just the word coming or to come. And in Advent, we celebrate the coming of Christ, both past tense, but every bit as much in church history, His coming future. So, yes, He came, He lived a perfect life, He died on the cross for our sins, He rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven, but He's returning. And so during the Advent season, we celebrate this. And this is the first Sunday of our Advent series. We've entitled the series, Jesus is Better. Jesus is Better. And the idea is from the book of Hebrews, we're going to do some vignettes that speak of Jesus as being better. This morning, better than the angels. Next week, better than the old covenant, And the final part of that series, better than the earthly tabernacle. And and here's why, church. The book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews, was written to a church in the first century that was under tremendous pressure. It was written primarily, or with an audience of Jewish Christians. You understand, the church was first really made up of Jewish people who were saved in Christ and saw him as the fulfillment of all that God had spoken in the Old Testament because he was and is, but they were under a lot of pressure. The Jews who were not converted were starting to threaten them. They were starting to seize their property. And those Jews would then use the Roman government to exert pressure on these Christians. Sound familiar? Jesus said that would happen, that there would be persecution because of Christ, because of him. But some of these Christians, these Hebrew Christians, were beginning to be tempted to put their trust in something or someone other than Jesus. In fact, some of them were even tempted to kind of pull back a little bit on their proclamation of Christ as Messiah and Lord of all and, and kind of melt back into the Jewish life, though maybe privately, secretly still believing Jesus is Messiah. That can happen to us today, can't it? The pressure gets hot. The political climate changes. There are people that are identifying us and trying to use the laws and the authorities to persecute us. And perhaps it starts with taking our property or excluding us from promotion in certain places or maybe excluding us from entrance into certain universities where we need that education to get a job, but then it moves to actual persecution. And that's what was happening here. And I think it's happening today and it can be a temptation today. And so God... Brings this word, the book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews, to this people under pressure. And he says, Trust me. Jesus, the risen, ascended Lord, is saying, I am greater, I am superior, I am better. Than anything. I I am superior. I am greater. I am better than any created being, any institution, anything. I am Lord. And He's speaking this to a people that are huddled, kind of quivering. Everything's changing. Because of now, faith in Christ, they're glorifying God and they're happy that they see now when they couldn't see before, and they live in light rather than in darkness, but it has consequences. They've been identified. And there's pressure coming. And here's the question for you this morning. When the pressure comes, in whom or in what do you trust? That pressure could be internal. The pressure could be external. But when things start shaking, when things start changing, when the consequences of your faith become very clear, in whom will you trust? And maybe you're trusting in the Lord, but, but man, it just seems like, it seems like your grip on trusting on him is weakening. Maybe these pressures are, are, are marital. Maybe these pressures are with your family. Maybe these pressures are financial. I don't know. But when things start shaking, right? In whom will I trust? Am I going to trust in myself? Am I going to trust in the person next to me? You understand, trust, ultimate trust. W- what's the foundation? When everything starts shaking... Where am I going to stand that that there's a firmness? That's the question. That's the question in this uh, letter. That's what we, I believe, by the Lord's leading are, are saying. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And this morning is, Jesus is better than the angels. That's the title of the message this morning. And we're going to be preaching it from Hebrews 1, 4 to 14. Now, you may be asking yourself, why in the world Jesus is better than the angels? So just stay with me for a second, okay? We're going to read this in just a moment, but I want to set the scene for you. So in the first century world, and particularly among Jewish Christians, angels were very, very common for them. I mean, do, go, do this this afternoon when you go home. Do a word study. Just type in angels. Just do a New Testament search. On my uh, digital Bible, I can just put it in there, the ESV study Bible. Just type in angels and hit enter. Just the New Testament. You will find North of 170 references, just in the New Testament. There's probably over 110 in the Old Testament. We're not used to thinking about angels, but angels are all over the Bible. Angels are incredibly powerful beings in the Bible. But when I say angel to you, what do you think of? I think of Clarence, and it's a wonderful life. Now see, this is where you young people are so culturally inferior to us older people. Because you're going, what is It's a Wonderful Life? Right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah? You don't even know who Steely Dan is. You know? War? You don't even know that rock group, right? Okay, I'll stop. But It's a Wonderful Life. Frank Capra's beautiful Christmas, Christmas classic. Go home and watch it. Jimmy Stewart. George Bailey. And in this movie, you know, this bumbling, fumbling, kind of buffoonish angel named Clarence is sent down to Earth to earn his wings by saving George Bailey's life, and so we would see that's you know if anything that's what an angel is, or maybe an angel is this effeminate creature from the Renaissance art time, this 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 little almost half feminine you know oftentimes with no clothes on, chubby little creature you know that floats around. That's not reality at all. When you read of angels in the Bible, you read of beings, created beings, that hold whole whole armies at bay. You read about angels that are sent out by God to the four corners of the earth to bring in the elect. You hear about angels that do battle against forces of darkness. You you read about thousands and thousands of angels. In a moment, we're going to look at some of these texts. So I want you to get in your head that angels are powerful Powerful beings. And the point here is from greater to lesser. If Jesus is better than the angels, if you think of created beings who rule and reign, forget about Marvel comics and superhero stuff, that's not real. Angels are real. And if they showed up right now, we would all hit the deck. Most of you would probably pass out and faint. A few of you would maybe not faint but you'd be trembling every time an angel shows up in the bible people are saying things like don't kill me it's not unusual when angels show up everybody is so still they're paralyzed can't even talk jesus is way greater way better than those angels that's the point point. and so the point is dear trembling church trust jesus because there are some scary things out there. Out there and in here. And he's better than these scary things. So let's read what God said to the church. Hebrews 1, 4 through 4-14. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs... For to which of the angels did God ever say? Now comes the comparison. Here's the reasons why Jesus is better. For to which of the angels did Jesus ever say? Verse 5, Hebrews 1. You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. That settles it right there. Verse 7, of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, speaking of Christ, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. For your feet are they the angels not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who have to inherit eternal life angels are powerful beings we see in scripture that angels are messengers of God angels hold armies back angels fight fights in the spiritual world but they're created beings and they're powerful beings And when they show up, typically, we bow down. Let me just say this. In a moment, we're going to be transitioning into why Jesus is greater than the angels. But I just want you to to, to hear this. While I want to increase your respect of and understanding of angels and actually invite you to consider and even do a study of angels in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, particularly around Christmas, because you're going to see a bunch of bogus angels around Christmas. So just, just study what an angel really is. Can I just tell you something? That's not where I want your focus this Christmas. See, what the author of Hebrews is saying angels are powerful, but Jesus is better. Look to Jesus. See, what, what these people were doing is because they were under pressure, they were starting to look elsewhere to put their trust or even backing off a little bit of G, from Jesus Say, well, you know, Jesus is like equal to he's just like a really powerful angel or today, you know, Jesus is a good teacher or Jesus, is a good man or like this, this Muslim that I was sharing with, you know, Jesus is a prophet. And so privately, you can say, no, no, he is the Lord, but then publicly, because you don't want the pressure, you don't want the blowback at work, or you don't want it to push back at wherever else, at Christmas dinner, you kind of pull your punch a little bit on who Jesus is. And what the author is saying, what God is saying is, no, don't do that. Jesus is the only one that can deliver us. Jesus is the only foundation that is it. Jesus is the focus. But before we get there, we need to at least grow in our appreciation of angels, okay? So Isaiah 6, 1 to 5, on the screen. In the year that King Uzziah died, I don't know, this is maybe 600 BC, around right in that time, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So Isaiah's getting this vision of heaven. Listen, the veil between this world and that world is thinner than we imagine. There are spiritual beings. The point is, Jesus is the one that we focus on. But you've got to understand, this is happening. And above him stood the seraphim, these are angels, these are spiritual beings, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory, and the foundations of the threshold shook, this is what an earthquake that Isaiah was in at this point, at the voice of them, can you imagine a voice so powerful that the foundations of the threshold shake? I've got a loud voice, and it may be irritating to you and maybe way too loud to your ears, but I'm not going to shake the foundations of this building. If I did, you guys would all run out of here quickly. That's what's happening here. This is an angel. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What I love about this, though the seraphim, are pretty impressive. What does Isaiah say? I've seen the king. Again, we see in Revelation 5, no time to go to that one. We're going to see that one in a moment. We see myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands of angels. A lot of times, angels are invisible. I mean, when you read the New Testament, it talks about these angels that, that... that look at the face of God, and they are given to guard and care for God's people. Angels that, in Hebrews 13, it says, uh, the writer of Hebrews in this book says, hey, entertain guests, strangers, because you may be entertaining angels unaware. I mean, the person next to you may be an angel unaware. I doubt it, right? You're thinking, no, not him. Okay. (laughs) A lot of times in the Bible, people don't even see them until God reveals them. Look at, at Numbers twenty-two thirty-one. 31. God send, sends this angel for his purpose. Listen to what it says. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, who, was, by the way, was a false prophet. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And what did he do? He bowed down and fell on his face. If people fall on their faces when angels show up, And if Jesus is better, way better than the angels, my prayer is that you would fall on your face, metaphorically speaking, before Jesus this morning. If you are not a Christian, I pray you would hear the gospel because you're going to hear it here this morning and that you would bow your knee to Jesus. You would say, oh, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I understand that he will give you that understanding, but this this is for you. And dear Christian, may we bow our knee and fall on our face before Jesus, even in the worst of situations, but especially in the best of situations. Because that's when we can be tempted to forget how awesome and mighty he is. What's the main point here? main point is this. Jesus is better than the angels. Trust in Jesus who is better than than the angels trust in Jesus who is better than the angels and with the remaining time we have let's look at five ways in this text that Jesus is better than the angels and this will at the same time encourage our hearts to trust in Jesus with very specific things number one Jesus has a better name than the angels look at verse four having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs we know from scripture that we preached just a few weeks ago, Philippians 2.10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We see then quoted in our text in verse 5, Psalm two seven where God wants us to understand that the prophecy in Psalm 2-7 is speaking of Jesus. Look at it with me. For to which of the angels did God ever say? Of course, he never said this to any of them. He only said it to Jesus. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. This is what was said of Christ when he was baptized. This is now the author of Hebrews is saying, this is true of Jesus and only Jesus. What does it mean? You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Well, it does not mean that Jesus at some point did not exist and now does exist. That's heresy. Jesus is the eternal second person of the Trinity. God the Son, eternally, eternally existing with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Always have been, always will be. What it means is that at this point is when Jesus, in the economy of redemption, ascends to the throne... After his resurrection and the fulfillment of the plan of redemption anticipated in the Old Testament prophecies, Psalm 2 is being fulfilled at Christ's resurrection and then ascension 40 days later. He is the Son who rules over all. Who rules over your heart this morning? Is it your opinion? Is it that person that you're dying that they would at least think nicely of you? Is it your concern for your family, for finances? Jesus rules over all. However awesome angels are, Jesus rules over all. He has a better name than they have. Point two. He has a better honor than they have. What do I mean by that? Well, look at verse six. And again, he brings the firstborn into this world. He says... Verse 6. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Who who do we worship? See, they were tempted to subtly, functionally, begin to worship something or someone other than Christ. The call is worship God. Worship God jesus he is better than the angels they worship him revelation 5 11 to 13 here's this picture that we see of heaven then i looked and i heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands there are thousands and thousands of angels you understand that that when when satan rebelled the bible says that one third fell and went with with satan two thirds you know remained loyal so Listen, there's thousands and thousands of angels, and if they showed up right now, just one of them, just one of them that wasn't that impressive as far as angelic rank, we would all panic. And there's thousands and thousands of them, but two-thirds are are, are loyal to the Lord, and the one-third that are not are under God's authority and dominion. That begs a question, why does the Lord allow them to do some of the things they do? Well, we will find that out fully at Christ's second coming. But we know that he's good and he's kind because he died for us on the cross and rose from the dead. He's Lord over these creatures. They are created. He is eternal. And listen to what they say. Saying with a loud voice, Revelation 5.12, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature, listen to that, every creature in heaven... Every creature on the earth, are you paying attention here? And every creature under the earth, no matter how rebellious they are right now, every creature, I'm not saying this saves them, but every creature will acknowledge, Philippians 2, Jesus is Lord under the earth and in the sea, and all that is in them. Is saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. This is the one that we trust in. Not in that boss, not in my idea, not even in one another. Ultimately, it's in him. Why? Because he has a better status. Point three. What does that mean? Look at verses seven to nine. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers flames a flame of fire. But of the Son, speaking of Jesus, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. He's the ruler, the righteous ruler. That's his status. Look, angels are messengers. Jesus is the message. He's better than the angels. He's worthy of our trust. Friends, this Christmas, may we focus on the message. Jesus, he is the gospel. And may we be faithful messengers of that message. I love number four. The fourth reason why Jesus is better than the angels. Because he has a better existence. Look at verses 10 to 12. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, for your years will never end. The angels are created beings. Jesus is eternal. He is not a created being. Jesus has always existed. Second person of the Godhead. And Jesus Christ exists eternally. And here's the beautiful part about it. We learn here, and he never changes. This is the point I... i I felt from the Lord for some of you. For so many of us, things change. Friends that we love and care for are no longer with us. They can change slowly. We slowly become older and more frail. And people that were so life-filled and so vibrant suddenly, they aren't so much anymore. And it shakes us. One day, they're no longer here. Things can change in our culture, in our society. They can change in our own bodies. They can change violently. Our fortunes can change like that, and it, and it shakes us. Here's, here's what I believe God wants to say to us, church, this morning. I never change. Trust in the one that never changes. It's hard to trust people if they're always changing. One day they're for you, one day they're, next day they're against you. One day they're up, the next day they're down. You walk into the house, you don't know if you're going to get a high or that stone face. Or even worse, you know, that little side comment. Jesus never changes. Jesus is never shaken. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. He will never change. He's eternal. He's eternal. Everything will change around you. Except for Jesus. Therefore, trust in Jesus. And the final point. Why do we trust in Jesus? Why is he better than the angels? Why is he better than every created being? No matter how great you think they might be. No matter how awesome they might be. Don't put your trust in them. That's not your hope. Your hope's in Christ. Because he has a better vocation. That's a fancy word for a better calling. Look at verses 13 and 14. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Now, this verse, church, is the most oft-quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament. It's Psalm 1, and it's speaking of Jesus. Jesus fulfills this prophetic, this messianic psalm. And what it's speaking of is that while the Jesus vocation, his calling is to be sovereign ruler over all, We'll see in a moment, the messenger's ca- calling is to be the servants. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Th- this scripture, Psalm 110.1 on the screen, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. It's quoted here in Hebrews 1.13. It's, it's an Old Testament passage that speaks of absolute sovereignty. This is Christ's vocation. The, the child is a king. Jesus was born to die for our sins, rise from the dead, ascend to heaven. Jesus is ruler of all. this This is the thing that they couldn't see at the time of Christ. How could Messiah, Savior of all, King of all, ruler of all, be weak and be crucified? Because they didn't understand God's plan of salvation, born from all eternity, slain from the foundations of the world. The Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, agreeing in this. The Father sent the Son. The Son lives the perfect life, dies the sacrificial death, rises from the dead, ascends into heaven. And then the Father and the Son send the Spirit. So three in one here is is salvation. But Jesus' vocation is to rule. Listen, if you're not a Christian, don't settle for the rule of anyone other than the ruler, Jesus Christ. That's the point, Hebrews. Don't let someone else rule you. Don't even let your own opinion rule you. But Christ is your ruler. This picture is pretty powerful. Read it again. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. You know what that is referring to? It's referring to the Old Testament practice where the conquering king would bring in the conquered king to his court and make the conquered king get on his hands and knees and the conquering king would put his feet on the conquered king's neck. And I know it's graphic. It may offend your sensibilities. It's wrong for anybody else to do that. But it's not wrong for God to do that. Especially when the conquered king is representing the power of evil. When he slays the serpent... And fulfills the prophecies of Genesis 3.15 as ruler of all, redeems fallen mankind, redeems you and me who were slaves to that conquered king, and now that conquered king is on his hands and knees, and Jesus' feet are on his neck. And we're set free. He who is mighty has done a great thing. He is mighty. He's mightier than the angels. He's mightier than any created being. This is the one that we're called to trust in. Don't settle for living under the rule of any other king than Jesus, friend. King Jesus. That's the point. That's the point. And before we conclude, I just want to bring one New Testament scripture to highlight this, this total reigning of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 24-26. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. So speaking of Christ, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under what? His feet. But I love verse 26. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. At the beginning, death came as a consequence of our sin. At the end, Jesus takes that final enemy and vanquishes him. No more death. We live forever. Oh friend, what a promise. I trust in that one. He's the only one I trust in. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And listen... No time for this, but throughout the New Testament, you can read over 170 references to angels, and many of them are speaking how angels are sent by the Father as messengers to do what? Look at verse 14. Are they not all, speaking of angels, ministering spirits sent out to serve whom? For the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. That's us. Now again, My focus isn't on the angel. I'm not impressed with the angel. I'm not trying to talk to angels. My focus is on Jesus, who is my Lord, who died for my sins, who rose from the dead, who is ruler of all. But in his word, he tells me he sends ministering angels to protect us, to care for us. There's this passage in Matthew where Jesus says, be careful of these little ones. Don't offend them because they have angels that are peering into the face of God that are their protectors. That's like blows my mind. Randy Alcorn has a really good book on heaven and he's written some great novels about this where he kind of thinks, has sanctified imagination about what it's like in heaven. And what, Read that stuff. It's good stuff. Why? So that you get infatuated with angels? No, 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 so that you worship Jesus. He's better than the angels, however impressive they are. But Let me just give you one example of this in the Old Testament. 2 Kings 6, 17. I love this one. This may be a word for somebody here this morning, though you're not Elijah at all. But just listen to God's heart here. Then Elisha prayed and said, so Elisha is the prophet, his servants there, they're surrounded by armies that want to kill them. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see, speaking of a servant, because the servant's freaking out. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. God may want to open your eyes, not to angels, to Jesus. You hear me? Not to angels, to Jesus. To whom? Jesus. Now, if he wants to send angels, send them, Lord. (laughs) But it's to Jesus. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I love this story from Billy Graham's book, Angels. On a dark night about a hundred years ago, a Scottish missionary couple found themselves surrounded by cannibals intent on taking their lives. Their terror-filled night, they, During that terror-filled night, they fell to their knees and prayed that God would protect them. Intermittent with their prayers, the missionaries heard the cries of the savages and expected them to come through the door at any moment. But as the sun began to rise, to their astonishment, they found that the natives were retreating into the forest. The couple's hearts soared to God. It was a day of rejoicing. The missionaries bravely continued their work. A year later, the chieftain of that tribe was converted. As the missionary spoke with him, he remembered the horror of that night. He asked the chieftain why he and his men had not killed them. The chief replied, who were all those men who were with you? The missionary answered, why, there were no men with us. There were just my wife and myself. The chieftain began to argue with him saying, there were hundreds of tall men in shining garments with drawn swords circling about your house so we could not attack you. He's speaking of the great missionary, John G. Patton. It's a great missionary biography to read. Look, the impressive part isn't that God saved them from cannibals. That is not the greatest thing that threatens us. God has saved us from his own wrath by sending his son to die on the cross. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? It may be God's will for us to die a martyr's death. The point is, God is for us. And angels are in play, so don't discount it too quickly. And it's okay to pray to be saved from cannibals when they surround your house. But even if he lets the cannibals eat you, he has saved you from his wrath and he has given you eternal glory and you will live for him forever and ever and ever. Do you get the point? Trust in God and his will for your life. That is the point. Let us pray. Worship team, would you join me? Father, I pray... That as we are surrounded not by cannibals in the flesh who are trying to eat us, but by spiritual cannibals, by our own flesh that that would try to destroy us from within, by the world system that would threaten, and, 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 and by just the temptation to trust in anything or anybody else to get out of this fix, get out of this problem. We're tempted when the pressure hits to kind of go back to the old ways of thinking like these Hebrew Christians were just go back to the synagogue, just add Jesus as one of the great angels. We're tempted to go with what quote unquote worked in the past. The funny thing is it never really worked, but it's just familiar to us. Lord, would you reveal yourself to us this morning as the one who is better than the angels? greater than every, any created being. Lord, I, I pray for peace to hearts right now that would be troubled. Let not you, your hearts be troubled. Trust in the one who is better than the angels. Trust in the one who died for you on the cross, dear Christian, rose from the dead and lives today. He who is mighty has done a great thing. Lord, the theme seems to have been this morning, delivering us from the temptation to dwell in darkness, depression, fear, anxiety. Lord, would you just bring your light to bear on your people, that we would leave here with faces shining, as Moses' face shone when he was in your presence. Metaphorically speaking, shining, and folks are saying, why is your face shining? I know what your life is like. I know the pressures. You say, because Jesus, who is mighty, has done a great thing. Jesus, who is mighty and merciful, has taken on flesh and conquered death's sting. Jesus, who is mighty, has shattered the darkness and lifted my shame. Holy is his name. Worship him. Worship him. Oh, Father, receive our worship now in song. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand and let's sing that confession together.